Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation will recap the week that was, including takeaways from the Fed, the latest on the Russia-Ukraine war, and a review of performance drivers across global markets. Plus, of course, we will also take a few moments to preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Uh, joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to the podcast, uh, Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Matt, happy Friday to you. Good morning, and thank you for dropping by today. Hey, good morning, Dan, and happy Friday. So, Matt, of course, it was a very busy week on multiple fronts, and perhaps we can begin with one of the more marquee events over the past week or so, that being the outcome of the Fed's policy statement, which was on Wednesday, the outcome largely expected. Although, did anything stand out to the Chief Investment Office about the statement itself or the press conference delivered by Jerome Powell, Fed Chairman, which followed. Yes. So the highlight of the week from a market perspective was the FOMC meeting, which took place over the course of Tuesday and Wednesday. And as expected, the Fed did raise rates by 25 basis points. However, what was a little bit less expected was how aggressive the dot plot was, which showed seven dots above 2% by the end of this year. And with only six meetings left, This implies that the Fed will raise rates by 50 basis points during at least one of the upcoming meetings. In addition, the Fed also revised their summary of economic projections. And just to go over a few of the takeaways, first, GDP growth in 2022 was revised lower from 4.5%. From 4% to 2.8%, but they did leave their 2023 and 2024 estimates unchanged. Second, their core inflation forecast for this year was revised up to 4.1% with smaller upward revisions to their 2023 and 2024 estimates. And third, the median unemployment rate forecast for this year and next remained at 3.5%, but 2024 was revised up to 3.6%. Now, turning to the press conference, the Fed chairman's comments were very clear in that the Fed is committed to achieving price stability and that this is a precondition for the type of sustained, strong labor market that had helped attract workers before the pandemic. He also did acknowledge that the war between Russia and Ukraine was likely to lead to higher inflation in the U.S., but given the current strength of the labor market, the U.S. economy would be able to withstand higher interest rates, and if necessary, they would speed up the pace of hikes to help bring down inflation as they would be willing to accept near-term economic pain to meet this objective. And finally, Powell suggested that progress has been made on the Fed's balance sheet and that a decision could be announced at the May meeting. So taking all this into account, it is our view that the Fed will continue to raise rates at every meeting until we see signs that the economy can't handle any further policy tightening or if inflation comes back down to the 2% target. Well, Matt, thank you for providing some reflections from the Fed. Uh, Looking overseas, if we pivot a bit, we did see some notable swings within Chinese equity markets. Uh, What's been behind the recent activity, Matt? Yeah, so Chinese equities did see some sharp declines earlier this week, and this sell-off was triggered by a few drivers. So first, the COVID-19 situation there is deteriorating, and a number of provinces have imposed new restrictions on movement that may delay the consumption and economic recovery. Second, spillover effects from the Russian and Ukraine war have investors concerned that some Chinese tech companies could be sanctioned for continuing to supply chips and other advanced technology to Russia. Third, there have been long-running concerns about regulatory crackdowns, and Chinese ADRs have come under 
substantial pressure amid threats to be listed from U.S. exchanges. And finally, there continue to be signs that point towards the Chinese property market being in trouble. So after the initial sell-off, the Chinese equity market experienced a strong rebound starting on Wednesday after the government did indicate that it wanted stability in financial markets and more clarity on regulatory actions. So with this promise of support, we do believe that Beijing will pursue policies to stabilize economic growth this year as they look at to achieve their growth target of 5.5% this year. And in order to achieve this goal, they did promise to step up policy support with more proactive and countercyclical measures, which includes increasing fiscal spending this year. And lastly, we would expect to see further cuts to the reserve requirement ratio and policy rate. Thank you, Matt. If we move into Europe, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war continues to grip investor attention, move global markets. Have there been any indications of peace talks on the horizon? And how have U.S. markets been responding to the recent developments? What might the prospects be at this point for a diplomatic solution? Right. So we have been hearing that ceasefire talks have been making progress throughout the course of the week, although there did appear to be a slight setback yesterday, which I'll go into more detail about in just a moment. So on Wednesday, Ukraine's president said that ceasefire negotiations were becoming more realistic, while a Russian foreign minister said that there was some hope for compromise, which were both encouraging comments to hear. So far, these discussions have focused on neutrality, in which Ukraine would have a similar status as Austria or Sweden. And Ukraine would have to abort plans to join NATO, while in return, they would receive international security guarantees to prevent future attacks. However, just yesterday, although talks do look to be continuing, it still seems as if both sides are far apart. So while progress remains ongoing and the overall situation remains fluid, U.S. markets this week have responded quite positively with yesterday's 1.2% gain for the S&P 500, following a 4.4% rally over the course of Tuesday and Wednesday, which was the strongest two-day gain since April 2020. Now, so where do we go from here? To reiterate our base case, we do expect fighting to lose momentum as we head into the summer, and it's likely that oil prices continue to remain at elevated levels as Western countries start to cut off their dependence on Russian oil. In the second half of the year, we'd expect to see energy markets become more balanced as supply chains adjust and the geopolitical risk premium is priced out. And finally, although inflation could spike temporarily and contribute toward the lower global growth expectations, we think the eventual outcome will fall short of causing a global recession or stagflation. So if we come back stateside, revisiting our macro calendar, I know at the top you spoke about the Fed, though if we consider individual economic data releases, it was a fairly busy week. So were there any standouts that you can share with us this morning? Of course. So yeah, like you mentioned, it really was a busy week, especially with the FOMC meeting. But additionally, there were a number of other important data points that we received. And overall, I would say the releases were a bit mixed. So starting with Tuesday, the March Empire State Manufacturing Index disappointed and fell to its lowest level since May 2020 as the new orders, shipments, and employment components all decreased. And we also saw a large share of respondents note that delivery times were sequentially slower. On inflation, the producer price index increased by 0.8% month over month in February, which was a hot reading, but did come in slightly below expectations. And this reading did reflect sharp increases in both energy and food prices. 
On Wednesday, retail sales increased by slightly less than expectations in February, with the weakest categories being non-store retailers and health and personal care, while the strongest categories were gas stations and eating and drinking establishments, both reflecting the recent rise in gas prices, along with the fading impact of Omicron. On housing, the NAHB housing market index decreased slightly in March, which was slightly below consensus, although the index does remain near strong levels, reflecting solid sentiment among the single-family housing market. Turning to Thursday, in contrast to the Empire State Manufacturing reading that we saw earlier this week, we saw the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index increase sharply when expectations were calling for a decline, and the underlying composition of the report was strong as shipments, new orders, and the employment components all saw an increase. Sticking with manufacturing, manufacturing production increased by more than expectations in February, while industrial production increased in line with expectations. Shifting over to housing, single-family and multifamily housing starts increased in February by more than expectations and are now at their highest level since 2006, with the increase being primarily driven by the South, which continues to benefit from the post-COVID migration. However, building permits did decrease, but by less than expectations. And lastly, on Thursday, initial jobless claims fell by 15,000 relative to the previous week, while continuing claims reached their lowest level in 52 years. And wrapping up, later this morning, we'll receive the February reading for existing home sales. Well, thank you, Matt, for walking us through the data releases. So as we begin to pivot, focus on the week ahead, what will be taking place next week, Matt, that you'll be keeping an eye on? So next week, there will be a few data points on the macro calendar that we'll be keeping an eye on, but we'll also be hearing from some of the early reporters for the upcoming earnings season. So let's dive right into it. Next Tuesday, the Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index reading will provide us with further insights on manufacturing activity, and it'll be interesting to see how it compares to the Empire and Philly Fed readings that we saw this week. On Wednesday, we'll receive the final February reading for building permits, as well as new home sales. On Thursday, another regional manufacturing reading from the Kansas City Fed, as well as an update on durable goods orders and the release of the market PMIs for both manufacturing and services. And finally, next Friday, we're set to receive an update on pending home sales for February, as well as the final March reading for the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey, which, if you remember from a week ago, came in at a 12-year low. So hopefully we see some improvement. Now, turning over to the earnings calendar, there will be a few high-profile releases as we are set to hear from Nike, Adobe, General Mills, and Darden Restaurants. Matt, it's hard to believe that we're looking down the pike to yet another earnings season coming up quickly, though thank you for dropping by top of the morning today, Matt, to recap what was a very busy week. You covered a lot of ground for us and for outlining some points of interest in the week ahead. I wish you a nice weekend, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, Dan, and have a good weekend, too. Thank you, Matt. And again, today we've been joined by Matt Tormey, Associate Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. 
Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Ban Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO dash disclaimer. 